Okay, to raise a family. Okay, have strong relationship. Anybody else? Kind of a scary question, isn't it? It's technically a covenant. Okay, it's a covenant, which we will talk about. So be with the person you care about. Okay, to be with the person you care about um, in, in, that, in that type of deeper relationship, right? Are you cheating? It's a picture of our relationship with God. We'll talk about that some tonight, too. All right, that's good. And as we talk about that, so, so I'm going to say we, we, kinda, we talk about that, and I think some of your answers probably, if I'm guessing, are a little bit, well, I know I'm in my youth group right now, um, and so I'm going to say it this way a little bit. Um, what, is our, what does our culture say the purpose of marriage is? Right? What are, I'll say it differently. What do the movies say the purpose of marriage is? To be happy, all right. Somebody else, that's one of them, I think. You're not dating anymore, yeah. You're not dating anymore, just get done with that mess, right? Okay. What'd you say? It's for funsies, it's for funsies, all right. Kind of to receive, okay. To receive, yeah. So you go through all these things, right? And I think y'all know where you're kind of you're smart enough to understand what I'm going to say with words, but I want you to really just over the next few minutes. Try to, try to listen, not just to the words, but really think about this. All right, think about what, what we're talking about here. So a different question, is marriage good? You don't have to, you can just shake your heads one way or another. Is mar- or you can say yes, no, or oh, I'm, so, I'm confused, right? And so you think about that question, is marriage good? Now one other question. Where does marriage come from? Let's look at it. All right? You say God's word. Let's look at it. Okay? So, all the way back in Genesis, right? That's the first book. In chapter 2, so God has already created Adam. By the way, in case you don't know this here, um, we believe that to be legit, that God... Created Adam, created the world out of nothing. By his, the word of his power is how we say it, that, that he spoke things into existence. Alright? He's the only, only eternal being. And he spoke this spoke things into existence. And so we believe that he created Adam, as the Bible says it. Alright, so he creates Adam. Alright? Um, now Adam's just kind of hanging out, right? Okay, and then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says this. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now we can make a lot of jokes about why it's not good for a man to be alone. You know, there's the jokes about there's the guy by himself, or the boy by himself, and you had two boys, and that's kind of a problem. You got three boys, you got no brain at all, right? Um, but, but that's not really what we're talking about. All right? But it's not good for man to be alone. Okay? I will make a helper fit for him. So, why was it not good for Adam to be alone? Y'all talked about this a little bit in the, in the first night about relationships. You talked a little bit about it. But why was it not good for Adam to be alone? What did Adam need? What do we all need? Companionship. 
relationship. Yeah, companionship. You could even use the word relationship, right? That's, that's kind of a trick question, right? It, it comes back to we need that relationship. Well, the first relationship that God created was Adam and Eve because it was, was, was Eve was marriage because it was not good for man to be alone. And so Eve was taken from the flesh of Adam, and Adam saw that he needed her. And then, so then in chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Then man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. All right. I want to tell you that we're going to keep this to about, you know, 25 minutes total tonight. And we can talk about this for a very long time. We just had a marriage conference and talked about it for five hours okay, just recently. Um, with that said, marriage is supposed to be, okay, so, so you, you're going to have to understand as we talk about this, this is going to challenge some of, the, some of what you understand. We, we, we don't realize how much we're impacted by the world around us at times. All right, so I want you to think about this for a minute. Okay, so marriage is meant to be the most beautiful picture of Christian community. It's not the only picture of Christian community. And there is something in the Bible that we're not going to talk about tonight. It's the gift of singleness, right, that does exist. Okay, um, but that is a gift. That is not something that many people I have ever met are called to. Y'all got me? I haven't found many people that are called to that. Okay? All right, so... With that said, and, and so let me tell you what let me tell you what the gift of singleness would look like. If you desire to be married, you probably don't have the gift of singleness. Okay, that is a gift, a, a spiritual gift that God gives that would keep you that would for, for different purposes of making Him known. Okay, so now let's set that aside for a minute. Okay, marriage is supposed to be a gift from God. Mankind. It's meant to be the closest human relationship because two become one. The point and purpose of marriage is two things then. Right? One is that there's someone who is, who is one with you, who knows you deeply, who you can trust has your best interest at heart at least some of the time. You would hope all the time, but it's not true. All right, we'll see that in a minute. But someone who will point you to your need for Jesus and his presence and strength every day. Did y'all catch that part? Ultimately, in marriage, is someone who is in the closest relationship possible with you and that they will point you to your need for Jesus every day. What does that also mean you're doing for them? Pointing them to their need for Jesus every day. By the way, that's also the purpose of Christian friendship. That's also the purpose of Christian relationship. In God's world, it's rarely about what can I get. But it's how does this relationship together, whatever relationship it is, point one another to our need for Him and growth in Him day by day. But often, we kind of think this way, don't we? We're taught to think this way in the world around us. 
sometimes even within the church. Girls, it's like, if I can just find the right guy to marry, or guys, if I can just find the right girl to marry, it might not be easy all the time, but everything will ultimately be good. Right? That's the end-all, be-all. That's the thing we've got to get and get worked out, and then everything will be okay. When we do that, though, instead of marriage being the picture of Christian community, we want it to be all about me. Ever got that phrase? That's an important phrase. We want it to be all about me. We see the sin of the world. And I think Andrew talked about this the first week. I got to get them all mixed up. But we see the sin of the world. Uh, Adam failed in his covenant responsibilities. And his responsibilities were to, um, God told him not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? You'll go remember all that. Um, and so, just in case, I think I've told you all this before, but just in case you, you missed this, um, Adam was there with Eve. Everybody likes to think it, make it out like Adam, Adam wasn't there and Eve, Eve took the fruit. And he was like, well, I'm going to make sure Adam takes the fruit too. And Eve tricked Adam. Adam was there. It says, he, he gave it to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And so these all about me ideas entered into their hearts, and therefore entered into our hearts. I can be God, I can be charged, in charge, life is about me, and that broke everything. Right? Okay. It broke the relationship between God and man and woman. It also broke the relationship between man and woman. This is what makes that relationship hard. Genesis 3.16 we see the, the, as God's now telling them the results of, the, of this sin, it says this, speaking to Eve, God says, he says a lot of other things to Adam before this, by the way, and, but speaking to Eve, God says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall still rule over you. The consequence of sin being in the world is that in marriage, all right, so everybody look up here at me for a minute. In marriage, I want you to hear me because this is really important. <laughs> in marriage, every person who has ever been married will have to bat, has had to, or will have to battle with making marriage all about me. I'm going to call out my children for a minute. Kids, boys, I say kids. Have y'all ever, have y'all ever seen your parents argue? What? Huh? Say it louder. Yeah. Have you ever been concerned about our marriage? Answer. You already told me in the car earlier, so now I want you to answer me. A little bit. Yeah. All right. I say that for a reason, y'all. Addison was extremely brave to come up here and share what she shared. All right? I also know that many of you, at different times, you hear something going on with your parents and it concerns you. Okay? I tell you two things with that. One is, I say that because I want you to understand that this is something we all deal with in marriage. Because all of us have a tendency to make things all about me. Right? And when one person in the marriage does that, and usually it's not just one, when one person in the marriage does that, that makes it hard. Right? Also, I tell you that because I want you to understand that God can still work in those marriages and make them good and beautiful, 
I do want to say that if that if our if our thought is that marriage is to primarily make us happy, make us feel good, to complete you, to fulfill you, all those things, if that's what we expect in marriage, um, and, and we don't understand that even the best marriages in the world are hard at times. Um, the best marriages require work and forgiveness and patience and commitment, then we miss the gift of marriage that God has given. And here's the gift, okay? The greatest experience of being loved is someone seeing you at your worst and deciding to love you anyway. Deciding to continue to walk with you, helping you see your value in Jesus. You see, what we often want to do in marriage is at those moments we want to go, no, I value you. I want you to see how much I value you. I want, but, but the greatest love is helping you see your value in Jesus. Because that's a value that doesn't end and flow. But that takes work. And every one of you, if you get married, will experience hard seasons in your marriage. They're not all hard. Right? Some people back here who've been married a little longer, they're not all hard, right? By the way, I say back there. I've been married 20 years, okay? Um, I already told you I've had hard seasons. Um, they're not all as hard, but they're hard. And we could just say, well, you know what? I'm just never going to get married. That's one option. But you're still going to have hurts and stuff in relationships. Um, so just, just call that out. But what if when a wife and a husband come to those hard seasons in a relationship, specifically marriage, they first remind, learn to remind one another of the love that God has for each of them? Right? That's what, if, if we're doing that first, right? And what if they remind one another of their commitment to one another? And what if they then get to work after they remind one another of the love that God has for each other and then the commitment they have to one another and then get to work dealing with the disagreements and the conflicts and the challenges in marriage. Now think about that a minute. If you start, just think about it with your friend for a second. Right? You're, getting, you're not getting along with your friend. Somebody in this room. You're not getting along with them. Or a, or a sibling in this room. And you're kind of fighting. The first thing you do is stop and you remind that person of God's love for them. By the way, you can't do this if you're all about you all the time. And you're not asking God for strength to do this. This isn't natural. Okay? But if you stop and you remind that person of God's love for that person. And then you remember that you've made a commitment to care about that person. You've made a commitment to love that person. Would that make a difference in a relationship, in a friendship? Does that make a difference? It's kind of hard, harder for two of you in this room to look at it. It's, it's harder for Andrew to stay mad at me. I'm his boss, so I'm sure he gets mad at me sometimes. It's harder for Andrew to stay mad at me if he looks at me and, and, and is reminding me of God's love for me. And the same goes true the other way. He didn't actually make me mad. But, uh, but my point is, we start there. Now, think about marriage, right? If the purpose of marriage 
is to keep pointing one another to Jesus and to be the closest relationship to, to be able to do that, to be a relationship where we can trust and walk through these, these things that are going on in our lives and the struggles we have of being all about me and being patient with one another in that. That's the goal of marriage. And two people understand that, then you can learn to walk together pointing one another to him. Right? And y'all can talk more about dating next week, but is that your purpose in dating? To find somebody that has those qualities? Just think about that. Garrison will talk to you more about that next week. All right. So Christian marriage, somebody said this before, is, is, is good, and it's right, because Christian marriage is supposed to be a covenant before God, uh, not a contract. Does anybody know the difference? I'll tell you. A contract is, I'm going to do this as long as it's good for me and benefits me, but as soon as it stops being good for me and benefit, benefiting me, I'm going to be done with this contract. Does that sound familiar when, when we look at our society and our view of marriage? Yes, yeah, like as long as this is beneficial for me, I'm going to keep it, but as soon as it's not anymore, I'm done. Right? What is a covenant? A covenant is kind of what we already talked about, but covenant says I'm committed to this because I made a covenant to God to love you like I said I would. That I made a covenant, a promise to God. When I do weddings, I just did this one this past weekend, the first thing we do, and I will not do a wedding without an agreement to this, right? First thing we do is, in the wedding, they make a vow to God first, in the presence of one another. And that vow to God is saying, God, there are going to be so many days that are so, so difficult to love one another, but I'm saying to you, God, that I'm going to love my wife, I'm going to love my husband, as you call me to. Then later we make the vow, they make not we, I don't make the vows. They make the vows to one another in the presence of God. Alright? Biblically speaking, that is the covenant of marriage. Alright? So C.S. Lewis talks about marriage. I don't know who C.S. Lewis is. Some of you. Um, he's an old guy, you know. Old dead guy that used to write uh, write books and stuff. When he talked about marriage, he would say this. All right, he described marriage as a dance. Okay, um, and that there are two different there are two roles in marriage: the role of the husband, the role of the wife, um, and and that in those roles, for for marriage to work well, it's got to be treated as a dance. Now he's not talking about you know the awkward. Um, he's not talking about like a line dance, you know, where you're side by side and you're doing things, right? He, he wasn't talking about, you know what I'm talking about? Hey, you know what I'm talking about? I'll make you come up here and demonstrate. <laughs> He's not talking about a line dance, okay? He's also not talking about, you know, the awkward dance. Um, the first, you know, the, the, I won't say it this way, at the middle school parties when you're like this, and you're just kind of stepping out. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay? He's not talking about that kind of dance. He's talking about the, the dance, because, um, you know, where you're close to one another, right? And you're close to one another, and so as you're moving, if one foot goes back, you're moving in unison, right? If both people try to leave, both people try to do the same role, what happens? Sore toes at worst, at best. Okay? You get kicked, you get stepped on, you get tripped up. I literally saw somebody at, uh, at a prom one time, 
they just fell over because they were both arguing about which way they were going to go, and they just got tangled up and fell down. Um, it can happen. And, and that's, that's, an analogy, that's an analogy of in marriage there are different roles and it requires give and take. It requires mutual love and respect. It requires uh, working together in that. All right? Now, with that said, using that analogy, in marriage both the husband and the wife are given different roles. Right. Are, are given different roles. All right? Um, I'm going to go through these quickly. All right, Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, I can't unpack all of that right now. All right? Um, I want to say two things. In our culture, we feel like this, when the word submission is used, we often feel like it's a, a bad word. So it's like it means I'm weak. It means I'm, I'm vulnerable. That has nothing to do with what the Bible is talking about here. Because the Bible says to do that as unto the Lord. Right? The, the Lord, this is all in the context of submission to the Lord. And so it's a submission in that sense of acknowledging that, that there is a mutual role in this marriage. Because when it says wives love your husband, it says husbands sacrificially love your wives. Meaning husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so those two things work together. Okay, let me talk about that sacrificial love for a minute, because it goes both ways. We are to love, men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Do you think Jesus walked around pretending to be in control and being in charge and just boss? Everybody around? No. Sorry. That's why I don't go too long. That doesn't mean we're done. That just gave me a warning. No. How did Jesus love the church? He laid down his life for the church. He sacrificed for the church. You know, if someone came into a room and my wife was in the room and they came in and tried to hurt my wife, would I lay down my life to save her? Not even a hesitation. Right? But would I, do I always lay down my life to serve her when she needs something? Always? No. Do I feel guilty about it later? Yes. Do I go back and apologize and, and uh, tell her that? Yes. But it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Mark 4, 10 45 says Jesus came to serve. Or not, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. So here's what I want you to, I want you to answer this question. So it leads us to where I'll tie this up for tonight. Did Jesus come to serve those who were doing everything right and had it all together? Look at me. Think about that question. Did Jesus come to serve those who were doing everything right and had it all together and, and had a picture-perfect life? And then everybody think everything was good. No. The Bible says Jesus came while we were still sinners. Right? While we were still sinners, Jesus came. And so there's a call in marriage to sacrificial love. 
while we are still sinners. Before either of us are really very good at this whole thing called loving one another. When we do that, marriage can be good and helpful to us. Because it helps us look to the love of Jesus. It helps us look to who he is and what he's done. Because Jesus knows you more intimately, more deeply than you even know yourself. And even in that, he looked at you and he said, and you were worth laying down his life. And one of the number one things that, as we think forward to marriage, that I want to leave y'all with, okay, because this affects all your relationships, but as you look forward to marriage, I've already talked about one of those qualities, you know, what are you looking for there, but as you look forward to marriage, do you look for someone who has the ability to not be all about me? who is asking the Lord to help them not to be all about me. And as you look for them, are you thinking, with that person, I don't have to be all about me. I can, I, they're going to help me, and I'm going to help them look to Jesus. By the way, you need to be doing that now, whether you have that person if, without that, with or without that person, right? This is in all our relationships. But when we do that, uh, we learn forgive one another. And to together keep turning back to Jesus. And so I'm going to close with, with this idea of forgiveness. Alright? When I was, you know, a, a lot of times and, and particularly within the church you hear people saying things like forgiveness is, is um, forgiveness is, is forgetting it and moving on like nothing ever happened. Did Jesus forget it and move on like nothing ever happened? But Jesus had to die. Right? Forgiveness was costly. I remember when my boys were little. Um, I'm not going to say which boys. <laughs> Alright? Um, but when my boys were little, one of my boys hit the other one. I know you can't believe that. Are you sure that wasn't this one? <laughs> Could have been. I'm talking about Alright. One of them hit the other one. And the one brother said, we, we talked, we only made sure they understood the problem. We had them, we had them talk to one another. And one brother said, Will you forgive me? The other brother who he hit said, Yes, I forgive you. They hugged. It, it seemed genuine. I think it was at that moment. And then they moved on with the afternoon. But then later that night at dinner, the brother who'd been hit sitting at dinner goes, my arm hurts. He said, my arm hurts. And the other brother blurted out, you said you forgive me, that means you have to forget about it and never say it again. <laughs> and y'all are laughing, you're looking at both of them, right? And I get that. But how many times do we act that way? Right? Because here's the reality. The bruise was still there. Right? The bruise was still there. He couldn't just forget about the pain. And so forgiveness does not simply mean just forget and act like nothing ever happened. 
Over time, God can fill those pains. Over time, it may seem almost as if it happened to someone else, but forgetting that they happened and never bringing them up again, even when they're causing pain and struggle in the relationship, that's not healthy. That's not helpful. And so what is forgiveness? So I kind of tie that all back around. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is saying that out of love, out of commitment to the other person, out of this, in, in marriage, it's specifically out of this covenant to the other person, I'm choosing to bear with you for the betterment of this relationship, or in that case, uh, for this covenant that I've made with you. I'm choosing, as the Lord has forgiven me, to also forgive you. The love that God has for me is enabling me to forgive you, even though I can still feel the figurative bruise. That's because our forgiveness of one another has nothing to do on the response or the action of the person who needs to be forgiven. That's how the Lord has forgiven us. And so we're saying, I'm choosing to forgive you and continue to work through your feelings and your hurts and my feelings and my hurts. And as that happens, as you learn to do that, in whatever relationship we're talking about, that grows trust, right? That enables you to begin to point back together to Jesus. Now, as I have to kind of close this down tonight, I go back to what's the purpose of marriage? And the purpose of marriage is that we are walking with someone in the deepest Really, it's intended to be. I'm not saying it always is, but it is intended to be the deepest human relationship, which means it's going to be the place you get hurt, you can get hurt the most. And it's going to be the place you can mostly, you can most deeply forgive the most. And it can be good and honoring to the Lord as you together learn to walk through those things and point back to Him. But if you're dating right now, and again, Garrison will come back with this next week, but if you're dating right now, and your goal is, wow, this just makes me feel good? Then we're dating without the purpose of marriage in mind. And so we're looking at the qualities of someone. Doesn't mean you're going to marry that person. Not many of you are going to date the person in high school that you're going to, or in college or whenever that you're going to marry. The first person you date. Right? It's not normal. It could happen. But it's not normal, right? But they at least have the qualities of one of those people. And I want to challenge y'all to really stick to that. Because that's what marriage is for. 